Kale and Company live here on WKXL for this Thursday morning. It is a delight to have you with us. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And very pleased to have back in the studio this morning our good fr- a good friend Paul Brogan. Paul, welcome back. Thank you, Ken. It's great to be with you again. It is great to be with you, especially as we lead up to next Wednesday night at the Bank of New Hampshire stage in uh, downtown Concord. Uh, just a, a, a terrific uh, venue. Everybody that uh, goes there for the first time raves about it. What a great restoration project uh, it was. Uh, we were talking off the year. Steve Dupree had a lot to do with that, and mm-hmm. we congratulate him for all that he does uh, here in the uh, capital area. But that uh, you know was the uh, the home of the Concord Theater, and we are going to celebrate <clears throat> 90 years, the 90th anniversary celebration of the uh, Concord Movie Theater, which uh, I, I know you loved. You've written a book about it called The Concord Theater. I don't know how you came up with that title, but but you you did, yes. We have a special guest on the line. Who would that be? Margaret Porter. Margaret Porter is with us as well, and I know Margaret is certainly a big part of what's going on uh, on uh, next Wednesday night, the 18th of October, and that's exactly 90 years after the theater Open right to the minute because our event starts at 7 p.m. and the first movie there started the Sweetheart of Sigma Chi at 7 p.m. No, there you go. But but uh, you know Paul was not there. At, no, at I the was time. not. No, no. Margaret, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Paul. Hi. I know on Facebook you asked for memories of of the Concord Theater, and I yes. have to say mine mine are more recent than most people in Concord um, because I didn't grow up here, but. I've so enjoyed the the movies and the concerts and my first tour of the Canton Room. The, the, the Canton Room is is where the uh, the bar is upstairs. But why why is it the Canton Room, Paul? Uh, it's named for Teresa Canton, who for sixty one years ran the theater. There you go. And uh, what a what a great job they have done with that. Uh, and I know. Uh, Margaret, you you have been there on uh, any any number of occasions, but uh, uh, what an addition it it has been, uh, you know already. It's you know it's pretty much in its infancy right now, uh, and uh, I, I think it opened just prior to COVID, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, reopened right. in grand style, and uh, so so Margaret, the grand piano, there's the, a grand piano there, a, a piano a, bar and everything. Yeah, it's grand great. piano and. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, that's uh, it's a great it's a great space for many things. I know the uh, New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters had their uh, recent uh, annual banquet there, and it's used for so many things. It is such a versatile uh, facility with what you can do. You can have seats on the floor, or you don't have to have seats on the floor, and a great balcony which uh, leads to the the bar area or one way or the other. But, uh, but Margaret, I know you've been involved in the uh, planning for, for this uh, great event next Wednesday night as well. Well, I have. It's very exciting. And we're going to be making some wonderful new memories for this 90-year-old theater. 
And uh, one of the memories, I hope, will be uh, seeing some of our attendees, or all of them, dress up in period costumes, because we've got a lot of decades to celebrate. Since the theater opened in the 1930s, people could dress up in clothes from the 30s, or the 40s, or the 50s, or the swinging 60s, or the cool 70s, <laughs> 80s, 90s. So I just want to remind people that, that they have an open invitation to uh, pick out their early Halloween costume and come and show up. That is terrific, and uh, for those who don't know, I mean, this has been, you know, widely publicized. There was a great piece uh, in the Hippo uh, just this past week, the, the latest Hippo that's out uh, on the streets now, uh, and uh, it's been widely publicized, but for those who don't know, uh, the movie that will be shown that night will be Moonstruck, starring Cher and Nicolas Cage and a uh, great, great cast, Olympia Dukakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, is in it as well, and a terrific movie. And uh, maybe you can talk about, uh, Margaret and Paul, how that movie was selected, because it wasn't the top grocer of all time <laughs> at, at the Concord Theater. It was up there. Uh, but why was Moonstruck chosen? Margaret? Go, Paul. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, the the top grocer was Valley of the Dolls, and we were easily uh, convinced that that should not be subjected on the people of Concord for an anniversary. I think, a, I think a wise decision. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Whoever made it, congratulations. But <laughs> Moonstruck was the second most popular, more than 14,000 admissions. Wow. And it just seemed like the the perfect movie. I mean, Margaret and I talked and were immediately on board with doing that because it's a feel-good film. You come out of that just grinning ear to ear, and you shed a yeah. few tears and just laughed some, and, you know, all of the emotions associated with it. Don't you agree, Margaret? Oh, absolutely. And, it's you know, it's an Oscar-winning movie as well. Uh, and Cher won her Oscar for that, Olympia Dukakis. Uh, it was... It was so well uh, received critically, but certainly in terms of popularity. And that doesn't always happen with the Academy Awards. Sometimes the the serious movies tend to uh, garner all the statues. So Mm -hmm. there's that part of it, too. And it was unusual for a romantic comedy to win Best Picture. Right. Not Best Picture. It didn't win Best Picture, did it? It won Best Screenplay for John Patrick Shanley. It was nominated for Best Picture. But to have walked away with the awards it did and for, you know, that type of performance and it just is so deserving. And to see it in high definition on the screen with well, that's the it. Yeah. brilliant sound system they have at yeah. the Bank of New Hampshire stage. Yeah, some people will say, well, yeah, I could watch that any night on television mm. at home. But it's not the same. No. It's not the same, folks, because not only uh, you talk about the sound and the acoustics there are great in the high definition, uh, but you're with other people and hearing their mm-hmm. reactions and seeing their smiles mm-hmm. and, and their laughter, uh, you know, with this movie. And uh, it, it is a great movie, a terrific choice. So congratulations for those who nixed Valley of the Dolls. And, 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 <laughs> Thank and, you, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. I think that was a, a joint decision. I do, too. <laughs> yes, it didn't take a lot of work. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think uh, that, that would have been... I I don't know about appropriate, but it, it wouldn't have been as festive, let's say, mm. let's say as Moonstruck. Well, uh, 
This is my third collaboration with Margaret on an event there. We did the two author events and now this one. Yeah. And she is such a joy to work with. We are we can almost finish one another's sentences. It's such a nice, comfortable sense of connection there. Well, two terrific authors. Yes. Two terrific people. So, you know, it makes sense. Makes sense. Well, we we do have a good time um, cooking up things to to share with the community, and um, this one is exciting. It's a it's already a sold out show. Uh, people are um, seem to be excited about it, so it's really wonderful. I'm going to sign off and let you two carry on with your conversation, and I hope some other people will phone in with their memories. Well, that, would that would be great. That would be great. Margaret, any literary updates for us? What What are you working on? Oh, stay tuned. Something will be coming in the springtime, so you'll people will hear about all about it at our next authors uh, area authors event. All right, very good, Margaret. Thank you very much yes. for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks, Margaret. Good to talk to you. Bye. All right. Bye. And uh, yeah, I did put up a, a Facebook post yesterday. Yes. And if anybody has uh, memories, and I'm sure a lot of people listening do, mm-hmm. but you know, most people are shy to call in. But uh, we would love to talk to you. Six zero three. 224-1450 is the number, 603-224-1450, just like the signal that's been around a, a long time, 77-plus uh, years, WKXL, and uh, 103.9 on the FM dial, 101.9 in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com, streaming around the world and around the clock. Paul Brogan is here. We're going to celebrate uh, the uh, the uh, Concord Theater in uh, downtown Concord this coming Wednesday, October the 18th, which is exactly the date it opened in 1933, and on a Wednesday, too. On a Wednesday. How, how about and, that? And I'll also mention that there will be some standby tickets available that night. Technically, it's sold out, but sometimes when it's a free event, people at the last, oh, I don't think I'm going to go or something. Right. So there will be standby seats available at the box office uh, that evening. All right. Very good. And it's Wednesday, 7 o'clock. And, uh, but I, I would say, especially if you don't have a ticket, uh, to get there, you know, sometime after six, let, let's say, because I know people will be clamoring to get in. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be a, a, a great night. And, and it celebrates the Concord Theater, but I think it also uh, it will give people who might not have uh, attended an event as yet at the Bank of New Hampshire stage to see what a gem we have we do in it's, downtown Concord. It takes your breath away. It truly does. Yeah, and uh, well, you, you've probably spent more time in that space than <laughs> than most. Uh, <laughs> maybe except for Teresa. You, yes. you, you you're probably number two uh, on that on that list. We'll take a break. It is Kale and Company live. Thanks to Margaret Porter for checking in this morning, and uh, we'd like to hear from you too, especially if, if you have memories of Teresa at uh, the Concord Theater back in the day. She was there from what, Paul? 1933 until 94. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 61 years. years. That is unreal, isn't yes. it? Yes. Wow. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Always a festive occasion when Paul Brogan is anywhere. 
And uh, he is uh, gracing our studios uh, this morning to uh, talk about a terrific event uh, next Wednesday night, October 18th, 7 o'clock at the Bank of New Hampshire stage commemorating the uh, 90th anniversary of the Concord Theater, which opened on that date in 1933. And it's just just worked out that it happened to be on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Like, like this year as well. What was your earliest recollection of the Concord Theater, Paul? I was going to see Pinocchio there when I was five years old. Uh, Disney's Pinocchio had been brought back to theaters. It originally came out in 1940. And my mom took me there to the movies. And we sat in like the sixth or seventh row. And for my little, you know eyes, I was just awestruck by everything going on up there on the screen. And I remember the popcorn was in a bag, yeah. and it was 10 cents, and my mother said, I'm spending 10 cents on this popcorn. Make sure you don't spill it. We don't want to have the people have to clean it up. And just very vivid, and that was my first time that I ever went there. Ten cents for a bag Ten of popcorn. Ten cents for a bag of popcorn, and, and, and that, and, and I bet people at that time thought it was overpriced, right? Probably, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, the, it was twenty-five cents the admission for me as a 25 child, twenty-five cents, and thirty-five for my mother. Yeah, <clears throat> but it it was. I I remember very very vividly. Never realizing one day I would be working in there. That's but true. it was just. Uh, it was the first theater I went to in Concord before I even went to the Capitol Theater. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's a, always a great memory. Going to your your first movie, mm-hmm. uh, getting getting popcorn, seeing Pinocchio, and uh, I, I'll bet my my guess is that it was probably a pretty full theater at the time. It was. Yeah. It was a matinee, yeah. uh, so there were probably several hundred kids there with their parents. Right. Uh, but we got it. Seats real close, and it just, I was totally immersed in what I was watching, and just the feeling of all these other people watching the same thing I was watching at the same time. Exactly. There's something to be said about that. That community feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Because even when I go to the movies today, and look around at the uh, three or four other people uh, in the theater. <laughs> see what their reaction is. Yes. Uh, it, you know, it's. I always like to see how their, you know, you know, uh, their con- conception of the movie and, mm-hmm. and so on. Their perception, I should say, exactly uh, of the movie. So. Uh, you, you mentioned you worked at the theater. You were hired in that impossible dream year of 1967. Yes. And uh, so so tell us about y- your hiring process with Teresa. Um, I came to the movies yeah. to see a Doris Day film, of course. Of course. Uh, Caprice, a spy thriller with Richard Harris. And uh, on the way out... Uh, Teresa stopped this, you know, young teen and said, uh, do you have an after-school job? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, I'd had a job at the State Library as a page running down in the basement to get uh-huh. old periodicals. And she said, well, how would you like to see this film again? And I said, uh, really? And of course, I see Doris Day movie a second time Uh, and it just went from there I started the next night Uh, the first night I started um, she was Miss Canton Mm -hmm. by the end of that weekend she said why don't you call me Teresa 
Uh, and by the end of that summer, I started in June, she said, why don't you call me TT? That's what my close friends and family call me. Wow. So the evolution and the connection we had from the beginning, she was already in her 50s and had been at the theater at that time for 34 years. Yeah. But she treated this kid as though I had an opinion she valued about movies and everything else. And so we found such a common ground, and it was just instantaneously perfect. So she approached you. Yes, she did. Did, did you ever think about working there prior to that? Um, I hadn't, really. Yeah. Or he, and the Capitol Theater still had ushers yeah. at that time. Sure. And I thought sometimes, oh, it might be fun to be you know, an usher. But uh, I had never really seriously thought yeah. about that. So when I was approached about it, absolutely, how could you say no? Now, you said that she valued, that uh, Teresa valued your opinion, and, and that was certainly true because she sent you as a teenager to screenings of movies that, you know, uh, might have, you know, hit the screen at the at the Concord Theater. Yes, I didn't have a driver's license then, but several years later when I was old enough to drive, uh, she would send me off to Massachusetts, to Danvers or somewhere else because movies often had screenings, exhibitor screenings prior to their opening. Uh -huh. yeah. And she would say, I want you to go see that and you tell me what you think. And you, if you think Concord audiences will respond. And I remember one of the early ones that I did was Carrie. And I remember just being terrified by it and coming yeah. back and saying, you have to play this movie. The audience was screaming. The audience was just with it uh, at this screening, special screening. And so she booked it and it had a five week run and people were screaming and it was an enormously popular film. Now, sometimes when you booked a movie, was uh, yeah, this in this case five weeks? Was it an open-ended run? Could you run it as long as you wanted, or short a period of time if it wasn't succeeding? They, by that point in the seventies, they wanted long runs for a movie. Everyone thought their movie was very important. In fact, sometimes you had to bid on a film without even having the chance to see it. When she bid on the first Star Trek film in nineteen seventy-nine, it was still being filmed. In March of 1979, it was due to be released in December. So there was no way to, you were taking a risk and you were hoping yeah. at that point there were enough Trekkies in the area to warrant the five weeks they wanted for a run. 90% yeah. Paramount was going to take the first week of every penny you brought in and they wanted a non-refundable deposit up front. So it was very, very... A serious business to determine whether something warranted what some of the studios felt their product was worth. And that was for Star Wars. Star Trek. Star Trek. The first okay. Star, Star Trek, Trek film. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very good. I'm, I'm sure Star Wars played there as well. No. It Star Wars played Cinema 93. Oh, really? In 1977. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. But you yes. had the first uh, Star Trek movie. The first, Star, first yeah. Superman movie yeah. with Christopher Reeve. Uh, the first Die Hard film in 1988. Uh, a number of firsts uh, were, through the years, played there that went on to be the first Bond film, Dr. No, mm -hmm. in 1962, was at the Concord Theater. 
So uh, the same movie never played at the same time at the Concord Theater or Cinema 93. No, yep, we, yep. we each bid on, on each film. I see. Uh, there yeah. was a bidding process. And the Capitol Theater, which was still a movie theater, would also bid. Yeah, it, it, and, and times have changed because now, uh, you know, you, you see some some of the same movies playing at the Regal Theater in Concord yes. as you see at Red River. At Red River, yes, yeah. it is. So things have changed over yes, the years. They sure have. Yeah, yeah. Not always for the better, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, very rarely for the better. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, great history at the uh, the Concord Theater. And uh, we're going to commemorate that, the, uh, the, the little entryway uh, to the uh, Bank of New Hampshire stage still has Concord Theater right there. It uh, does, yeah. right there in the tile right on there, the street. Right there. Right there. And so uh, that's one of the, the memories of the, uh, the Concord Theater. But there's so many more, and I'm sure a lot will be shared on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night. And if you would like to share one right now, you can do it. It's uh, free of charge, 603-224-1450, 603-224-1450. And uh, you get a chance to uh, talk with Kat, our producer, and uh, and get on the air and uh, chat with Paul and myself about your memories of the Concord Theater from 1933 to 1994, a, a landmark that... Uh, you know, we'll uh, go down in history, and uh, Paul has written a book, The Concord Theater. If you want to read all about it, Paul's written two other books, too. Uh, was that a name I dropped? And a sprinkling of stardust over the outhouse, musings, memories, uh, madness, and pillow talk, too. <laughs> pillow talk, too. <laughs> that should be a movie, Pillow Talk, too. We'll uh, take a break. Kale and Company will continue right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll have our weekly Friday Fun Bunch. With Tom Raphael, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, and our resident flick chick, Kitty Ray, will be here. Uh, Kitty Ray, I know. I don't know if Tom's going to be at the big event next Wednesday, but I know uh, Kitty Ray and I will be there for the big event next Wednesday when Moonstruck will be shown at the Bank of New Hampshire stage on uh, South Main Street in downtown Concord. Beautiful facility. If you've uh, never attended an event there, uh, you know, make sure you do. Uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, next Wednesday night, October 18th, celebrating the 90th anniversary of the Concord Theater. Paul Brogan, who was in studio, worked there for many years. Uh, he was, uh, he, he, you probably did just about everything you could do at, Absolutely. at, at the theater. <clears throat> everything from picking up the bags, lifting the seats after the performance, washing the floor. Never made popcorn, though. It was a never great popper, and, but only Teresa and her sister, Rena, really had the touch ah. to make it and have it really just lighter than air almost. So never got into doing that. You so, never uh, made the popcorn. Never this, made- by the way, Paul, <clears throat> believe it or not, is National Popcorn Poppin' Month. Is it really? That's, I just discovered that this morning. Wow. Yeah. 
It gets a whole month. It gets a whole month. Oh. Yeah. So now, will there be popcorn on Wednesday? I'm not sure. I yeah. will have to check with the people at Bank of New Hampshire State. Yeah. We will have Laura Canoy hosting the event. Very nice. And she'll be talking with a number of people, including the mayor, uh, Steve Dupree, and, you know, several other people. So uh, that that is, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have her uh, participating in the event uh, like that. She is that. terrific. Yeah, yes. no doubt about it. So that, that's worth the price of admission right there. It certainly uh, is. Oh, oh, wait a minute. There is no admission. <laughs> no. Hold <laughs> on. Oh, no. I didn't mean that, Laura. Uh, so, and Mayor Belay is going to be, you know, I'm surprised you didn't make a run, Paul. I mean, Mayor Belay is uh, stepping down after all these years. Yes. I'm surprised. I know you did it one time. Uh-huh. Well, uh, the, between the uh, Ollie classes, between uh, everything else, and trying to get my book, The Mystery, The Park, about White's Park and the murder, yep. a series of murders, uh-huh. uh, they're just – I had to decide what's important. And there were some good – there are some good people running, so no, I think they you know, deserve an opportunity. And I'll just be behind the scenes trying to bring events like this and the author event along with Margaret to the attention of the public and work on those things. And I do some blogging for Concord Patch. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's more fun. And I think after a certain age, we don't want to take on things that will create unnecessary stress. And there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And then I, I guess being mayor can be a stressful job it can from time be. to time. Although Mayor Boulay has worn it pretty well. Uh, he all, has all done brilliant. And he, he's become a good friend through the years, and I'm very fortunate. Even though to you know took him. him on at one ah. time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we talked about Teresa sending you out to yes. the screenings and, and that sort of thing, to, to uh, and she valued your opinion. Uh, and oh, by the way, you know, going into that last break, yes, uh, I, I was reading the, the title uh, of your book, uh, you know, sprinkling of stardust over the outhouse, uh-huh. musings, memories, madness, and pillow talk. Uh, and I said there should be a pillow talk too, and there almost was a pillow talk too. There almost was in the early part of the eighties. Uh, Joan Rivers wrote an incredible script. For a pillow, I think it was going to be called actually more pillow talk. Oh, okay. And Doris and Rock uh, were were interested and committed to being in it, along with Christy McNichol and um, Timothy uh, Hutton. Mm-hmm. Timothy Hutton and uh, Tony Randall was going to come back and be Doris's husband oh. because Doris had divorced the Rock Hudson character from the first pillow talk, and it was very well written and it would have been wonderful. But then Rock became ill, and that just sort of fell apart. But Doris was interested because the money they were going to pay her, she said, would feed a lot of dogs. And she was so passionate about her animal welfare work that that would have been the only thing that would have convinced her to come back and step, you know, step aside briefly from her 24-7 work on behalf of the Doris Day Animal Foundation. Yeah, but uh, it, it almost happened. Almost, almost happened. happened. Wow. That, that would have been something. And, I, and so they never did anything with the script. Joan Rivers wrote that. No, and, uh, because uh, it was very specific yeah, to, to the yeah. Doris and Rock and everything else. So Right. So we talked about the, the fact that you didn't make popcorn at uh, at the Concord uh, Theater. But what, what were the other concessions like? Did they have the, you know, the, the regular 
you know, concessions, the the candy and the sodas and all that. One Twizzlers was our Twizzlers biggest was seller, the, the most biggest. popular. Okay. The red Twizzlers red. were the ones that were really popular. Not black, the uh, red no, ones. the red. Um, uh, Three Musketeers were very popular. There were probably about twenty five different kinds of candy that they got from Treesman Brothers. Okay. Um, and uh, she would often say to me, "Now, what would you like me to include with the next candy order?" Because every night she offered me take. Any kind of candy you want, particularly when I worked up in the projection booth, which I did from time to time. It was the old reels, the two reels. Every 20 minutes, you had to switch over. So it was a very precise so that the audience didn't notice that you had switched from one projector to the other. And very hot up there because you had to have asbestos to in the room in case a fire broke out or anything. And so uh, it was a great way to sweat off the pounds. I guess so. Uh, all, all that candy, you know. That yes, was exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that because, you know, were, there were signals in the movie, right? Yes. On the screen that was that they, they were for warning the projectionist. The projectionist. Changed the, changed the reels, right? The first one was 20 seconds before you made the switch. In the oh, upper yeah. right-hand corner, a little circle would appear. Yeah. And that meant that you turned turn the other projector on, yeah. and you got ready to slide the door open to cl- close off projector one and open up projector two the moment the second one appeared 20 seconds later. And if you did it in a split second, the audience wasn't aware that there had been a switch from one reel to the other. Yeah. It just really, to be able to do that, uh, and to do it so the people didn't see the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, the countdown uh, at the end of one of the reels that appeared. And that was on there. I that never was saw on that there. in the movie theater. And then you had very some, good yeah. projectionists then yeah. who, who could be that, was that, a, that precise. That was an art. Yes. That was an art. It is. And you can still see that old movies on television. You will see a reel ran about 18 to 20 minutes. So yeah. if you watch a movie about 18 to 20 minutes in, in the upper right-hand corner – You'll see the queue. It's called the queue. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you'll see one, and then 20 seconds later, you'll see the second one. So, what do they do today? Uh, most of them, well, they then evolved to platters where yeah. you uh, spliced every reel together on these huge platters and just ran it so you never had to worry about switching. Now most of it's on digital, yeah. and it's just, it doesn't involve any kind of work right. because back then you needed to know how to splice it if you had a break in the film. Yeah. If a film had been playing, for instance, in Manchester for 10 weeks or something, and then they sent that same print up to Congress. It would be the it same was one. getting okay. threadbare, yeah. Yeah. and there might yeah. be a place where the film broke, and you had to be able to quickly splice it back together again. Wow. Yeah. Well, all these things that the movie-going yes. public probably was never Not aware, aware of. of. Never, which is the the way you want it to be. You do. Yeah. It's, it keeps the illusion going. You don't want to spoil that illusion. Right, right. My goodness. this thats <laughs> Really, people would find that remarkable. I, I never knew mm-hmm. what an art it was to be yes. a projectionist yes. at that time. Because I used to go to... You know, older theaters in yes. Massachusetts where I'm uh, sure they did the same thing. Absolutely. You know? Went to the old Granada Theater in uh-huh. Malden and uh-huh. uh, theater in downtown Wakefield, which mm-hmm. is the uh, next town over from where I lived. Uh, we, we had a theater uh, before I was born in downtown Melrose, but 
Uh, since I've been alive, there's mm-hmm. never been a theater in downtown wow. Melrose, Massachusetts. Never. Amazing. Never. There are some, you know, nearby. I yes. used to ride my bike to Saugus when they had uh, the cinemas uh, one and two yes. in Saugus. Mm-hmm. And I used to ride my bike over there. And, uh, you know, they had dollar matinees even uh, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 60s. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was yeah. what, a deal. Now, what, what, you know, you said when you, your mother took you to Pinocchio, you were a quarter and she was 35 Five cents. cents. But as the years went on, let's say in the, uh, you know, in the early 70s, mm-hmm. uh, what would it have been? It would have been probably $1.25 for adults and 75 cents for children. And it stayed pretty much that way. I think it was around the time of Superman in 1978 that Warner Brothers dictated what they wanted admission to be, and it was $2 um, for everyone, $2 for all tickets. Across the board, yeah. Um, And it would creep up through the years. Uh, When the theater closed, I think it was $5 for adults in 94 and $4 for children. Paul Brogan is with us. Uh, he lived the life of working at the uh, Concord Theater, wrote a book about it as well, by the same name, the Concord Theater. Where's that available? Are you going to have some available uh, on yes, Wednesday? Yes, there will be some available, and it's also at Gibson's. They have it at Gibson's Bookstore. All right, but uh, if you uh, go to the event on uh, Wednesday, you might want to pick up a copy of the uh, Concord Theater by Paul Brogan, who's also written a couple of other books and is working on another, folks. Diligently, We will uh, take a break. Again, I'd love to hear some more memories about the uh, Concord Theater. 603-224-1450. If you went to the Concord Theater, you probably knew Paul. He was there most of the time in his misspent youth. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll take a break. Kale and company will continue right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. You in the market for a new fence, maybe around your pool or backyard? Look, why not give Lakes Region Fence in Guilford a call? 603-524-6061 and they'll give you a free estimate. Lakes Region Fence is a full-service fence company and the sponsor of the great radio program NH Unscripted. Heard right here in WKXL in Concord and Manchester. They install aluminum, PVC vinyl, chain link, wood fences. If you go onto their website, you can view samples of their great work at www.lrfence.com. Lakes Region Fence specializes in horse corrals, sports courts, commercial yard and property line fencing, as well as pool fences. Lakes Region Fence constantly is working to increase their offerings you, their customer, and would be happy to meet with you to discuss your specific fencing needs. Give them a call at 603-524-6061 or email them at lrfence at metrocast.net or just visit their website, www.lrfence.com. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Paul Brogan is with us, and uh, we're going to celebrate the 90th anniversary of the Concord Theater next Wednesday night, the 18th of October, when it opened, the same date, same day of the week that it opened back in 1933 when Babe Ruth was still an active baseball player. <laughs> and uh, and Paul Brogan lived the life at the Concord. So many things people don't think about. And we were just talking about having uh, movies delivered to the theater. Like the night before, it was supposed to you know start mm-hmm. its run. And 
And sometimes you had to check the movies because sometimes the wrong movie would be delivered. Yes, exactly. National Screen Service was the one that delivered them. And if the movie had been playing somewhere else, if you weren't getting a new print, uh, it might be coming up from someplace in Massachusetts. And... If they had two movies playing at there and two movies ended and somebody wasn't paying attention and put the wrong reels into the cans that came up, you would, you know, the next night when you started running, you might not have the film you'd advertised. So it was really, you know, important, those little things to make sure nothing slipped through. And, you know, it's it's amazing when you think about it. And we were talking uh, off the air, I asked Paul, uh, what was the, the film that had the most reels? And uh, he said it was Gone with the Wind. Uh, I don't know if Paul was around for that in 1939. <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, at any rate, that, you know, it's a long movie. So that was maybe nine or ten cans of film, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and can you imagine if, if somebody, one of the projectionists messed it up? Uh, did it in the wrong order, you know, which I oh, guess could happen and has could. happened. It yeah. has, absolutely. Yeah. So it it was, um, no, we had a John Wayne movie uh, one time, and John Wayne was getting ready to shoot somebody as the reel changed. <laughs> and when the reel changed, the next reel was a children's film. Oh, and geez. so <laughs> right in the middle of this. So you had to refund everyone's money. Oh, you geez. had to call National Screen. You yeah. had to find out what happened. And by the next night, you would have the correct uh, reel there. But because somebody didn't check and make sure, you suddenly, you know, you had John Wayne fans could be very irate. I'm sure. If there wasn't, you know, something there that they wanted to see. Wow. That that is something. I'm I'm sure there are many, many stories uh, to be told. And again, we just have a few minutes left. If you uh, would like to share a memory that you have of the Concord Theater, uh, give us a call, 603 224 1450. And, and did you uh, have double features at any time? Before I was there, oh, it was regular. Uh, when movies switched twice a week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there would usually be a double feature, maybe a Western and uh, Bowery Boys or Three Stooges or something like that. It was very common back in like the 30s, 40s, and into the 50s yeah. before they started. Studios wanted single features because if you had a double feature, they had to split the profit between two titles. Sure. And by having one feature, the studio got all the money for that particular movie. So uh, very few double features in in the later years. Yes. Uh, so drive-ins have the double features. Oh yeah, sometimes triple features. Yes. You see it uh, at some drive-ins, mm-hmm. but uh, but anyway, that's uh, there's there are still some drive-ins too that I guess are. Are, are thriving mm-hmm. these days. So mm-hmm. that's. That's a good thing. But Particularly during COVID, drive-ins had new life yeah, because of exactly. you know, that. Yeah. And what about the marquee? The marquee came from a theater on Hanover Street in Manchester, the Lyric Theater. Oh, uh, and when that closed, Teresa didn't have a marquee when the theater opened in 33. And it was in the 40s that she said, I want a nice neon marquee. The Lyric was closing. For $500, she bought it, uh, had it installed, and there was the marquee that remained for the rest of the life of the theater. 
So who changed the marquee every week? Not me. Not you. I wouldn't get up on that ladder. <laughs> um, no, uh, usually Teresa's sister, Lori, yeah. uh, would be the one. I would hold the ladder, but yeah. I wasn't going you, to get up there. You weren't going to get up there. Uh, no, no. The I had an aversion to heights, yeah. but I got the uh, letters all ready and oh, spelled okay, yeah, out yeah. and then just handed them in the order. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I miss the marquees. I know that Red River has one out, yes. out in front, but the uh, the Regal Cinema on uh, Loudon Road right. hasn't had a marquee no. with the movies on it for years. You don't know what's playing there. I, I know. How do you, how are you supposed to know, right? Yes. Uh, but uh, at any rate, I, I, I miss the. Me too. Because many theaters don't have marquees. No, they don't. But uh, that that's always that was always an attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you you mentioned uh, Moonstruck was the second top yes. grossing film of all time. <laughs> yes. At at the uh, Concord the Theater. Theater. So uh, that's part of trivia. Valley of the Dolls was, was number one. One more than fifteen thousand. Tickets sold in 1968 at a time when Concord had 28,000 people living here. Um, and it just it caught on. The book had been so yeah. sensational, and people were expecting the movie to just be lurid, you know. And they stood out in the January cold, bitter cold, yeah. all the way up <laughs> Pleasant Street to State Street and down State Street. Star Hot Dog, which was on Pleasant Street, stayed open late so people could run in and get a hot dog or coffee while they were standing in line to go see Valley of the Doll. Teresa called it Valley of the Dollars. Yeah, yeah. well, there there you go. It was the top grossing (laughs) film in the history of the Concord Theater, folks, if anybody should ask you that in a trivia game uh, someday. So uh, that, that being said, how many times a day would it typically be shown? Twice. Twice. Evening at 6.30 and 8.30. 6.30 and 8.30. Yes, then. And later it switched to 7 and 9 for yeah. movies as people began to not want to rush to a movie by 6.30 in the evening. Yeah. Uh, matinees on the weekends? Um, not for Valley of the Dolls. No. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but for other films, sometimes a Sunday matinee. Yeah. But uh, people... Most of the movies that played weren't children's films. The Disney usually played the Capitol Theater. So uh, when you would have something like Star Trek or Superman, you would definitely have a Saturday and Sunday matinee at 2 o'clock. Yeah, very good. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's not only kids that like those matinees. No, you know, no. Seniors, seniors yes. love those matinees, too. Yes, true. I, I know from uh, from personal experiences. <laughs> but uh, at, at any rate, yeah, I and uh, it, it just had to be a, a, a great time uh, because, you know, the, Movies were, you know, at that time that that was the, the big entertainment, the big night out. It was dinner and a movie. You know? Absolutely, and that, that was the a big night. It was. That yeah. was what so, people did because you didn't have cable the way we have right, it now. Right. You had yeah. the three major networks and PBS and maybe Channel Thirty Eight and Fifty Six yeah. later out of you know the Boston area, yeah. but yeah. that was it. So people went out. It was an easy, affordable evening. So, uh, did you notice any trends? Did uh, the folks in this area have, uh, you know, uh, a, a favorite genre 
I mean, Valley of the Dolls, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, uh, most people who are listening know uh, what kind of a, a novel it was, what kind of a movie it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, beyond that, did people have a, a favorite genre here in this area? Horror movies did very, very well. The original Halloween played the Concord yeah. Theater. Yeah. Carrie, um, Shining, the Kubrick Shining. Yeah, sure. Um, so f- the first Friday the 13th movie, people would turn out in huge numbers for that kind of a film. And uh, so it, it very, very popular. People love to be scared. They do. Yeah. They do. It's yeah. a great escape. And that continues. I mean, this uh, this is the month it sure for is. horror movies. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we took a walk down memory lane yes. today and uh, talked about Teresa Canton, and it's the Canton Room now. And and I didn't realize this. She lived there. Yes, she, she did. lived at the theater. She lived upstairs at the theater. Yes, absolutely. So she was on the job twenty four hours a day, basically. You could say so. Uh, a- absolutely, it was. It was just her life. It was everything for those sixty one years. That was what she loved to do and so yeah and uh, she did it 61 years she was the uh, the owner she ran the show and uh, you know paul I'm, I'm sure was a huge help when he was there wow. how many years <laughs> 27 27 years 27. at the concord theater and we'll bring back a lot of those memories, I'm sure, on Wednesday night. And there are still some standby tickets yes, that might are. become available uh, for the event on uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 18th, the same date that the uh, Concord Theater opened back in 1933. And uh, Moonstruck will be shown. And uh, uh, as Margaret mentioned uh, when she called in, Margaret Porter, that uh, dressed uh, in. Uh, you know, if you any yes. any era, if you want to dress yes. in, in 30s regalia, 40s, yes. 50s, you name it, 70s, wear those bell bottoms. Yes, and, yeah. platform shoes. Platform Leisure shoes. Leisure suits. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Paul, thanks so much. Always a lot of fun. A pleasure. Thank you. Great to see you and be with you. And tomorrow, don't forget, we have our Friday Fun Bunch. We'll have our NFL picks and a whole lot more with uh, Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, And our resident flick chick, Kitty Ray, she has seen The Exorcist, Believer, and uh, she'll give you a review of that tomorrow, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Kale and Company Live, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And folks, remember, always look on the bright side of life.